0: This is a Ninth World Journal. A careless experiment with a teleportation device has left me stranded in random places throughout the Ninth World. While trying to survive in these strange lands, I must find a way to
1: reverse my condition. A Ninth World Journal is a science fantasy audio drama podcast. Subscribe to listen or visit NinthWorldJournal.com.
2: Welcome to the Mystery Stone Podcast. It's me again, your MC for the evening, CJ, here with... Metaphysical Mike. We're how are
1: you guys doing? <laughs> We're back. To We're meta. back. That's what I'm talking about. Yes, we are. Back to the origins.
2: Yeah, and uh, tonight we have something super special planned for uh, all you listeners out there. Uh, we have a very special guest with us today. We have uh, David S. Deer of the Ninth World Journal, also a
0: audiobook narrator. Uh, David, uh, how are you doing today? doing awesome. Thanks, guys. I'm glad, glad you guys have me on. This is awesome.
1: No, definitely. That, uh, thank you so much for coming on. Um, I actually initially heard about you like um, that when we first started doing this podcast, um, I think through Discord or something like that, like CJ, like something like a comment I saw of yours or something like that. And CJ said he's been speaking to you for a while. Then I heard that you were a metaphysical teacher and, or involved at least in the area of metaphysics or ordained um, in, in certain areas of that. So I was like, oh, I, that's awesome. And then I, when I knew that we were going to be speaking with you today, I was definitely excited so um yeah thank you for coming on and welcome
0: yeah yeah pleasure's mine thanks guys Mm
2: -hmm. yeah um before we get into the meat and potatoes of what we got going on here today uh, we did have a listener write in and they requested us um to uh give a little shout out and send some positive vibes to their friend uh emily fair uh emily frayer sorry uh she's a 33 year old mortician who was just diagnosed with a lung cancer and they requested us to send some positive healing light, uh, to their friend. And we're
1: going to do that for Yeah, for sure. Um, yeah, we wish, we wish you the best of luck, uh, most positive healing energy possible. And, um, in my mind, I am sending the most healing positive vibes possible through the internet, to the, uh, ether towards our, and it's, it's definitely unfortunate. It really is unfortunate. So hopefully, she makes someone of recovery, or at least it doesn't grow to anything too serious. Um, uh, definitely, for sure, hope so for that. Yeah, absolutely.
2: Um, but uh, so besides that, um, today we do have a super special episode. We're doing a a little bit of a metaphysical grab bag for everybody uh, we we pulled on a couple of social media sites uh, and a few discord servers and reddit and stuff and uh, just asked you guys like hey if you could ask a, metaph- a metaphysical question and have it answered on the show um you know what what would you like to ask and uh we'll, we'll do our best to uh, help you out and if you have any sort of like podcasts or anything like that as well we'll also uh give that a little shout out and uh, we got some pretty good responses and we were like oh wow We need somebody way more awesome than us, which is why we got David to come on for this episode. (laughs)
0: <laughs> i don't know about way more awesome than you guys you yeah, guys are yeah, such a blast yeah, to listen to every week i, can, uh, <laughs> I just pray to keep up
1: <laughs> no you're fine yeah no yeah so today's gonna be a nice little mosaic you know this little colorful mashup of ideas and uh see what spawns up you know for me you know, a lot of these things might be a, might be a surprise so um yeah we'll just see uh we'll see what spawns out of this yeah
2: i was actually um when it came to all the questions that were submitted i was super impressed that it was way less literal like there wasn't a single one that was like well i want to do this spell how do you do that um and it was all like really like philosophical and, and spiritual and like really like higher higher uh truth
1: seeking yeah just more like oh, abstract. Those are my favorites yeah like more abstract more uh you know metaphysical of course um you know just just more something that's beyond the norm of ordinary thinking
0: yeah
2: know? i was just like wow like you know, our audience, like our listeners, are are fantastic. Like these are some deep people. I love it.
1: Yeah, and like regardless, even if they ask for those other things, it's all fine and good. It's just um, regardless, yeah, we do appreciate you guys um, you know, submitting things for us to you know speak about today. So that's awesome. Thank you guys. But yeah, um, like, yeah, I guess we're gonna get to know Dave a little bit, right? Yeah,
2: yeah, Dave. Uh, you know, uh, you, you, you do the Ninth World Journal. Um, you're an ordained uh, metaphysicist. Uh, you do audiobooks. Tell us about
0: that real quick before we uh, start answering questions. Okay. Um, well, I'll start with the ordained metaphysical minister piece. And minister is a weird one. I don't really, it's just kind of what the title that they were giving me, but they just said, you can use whatever title you want. And I'm like, uh, I'm not really a title guy, but that's kind of as close as it gets. The the you know y- You guys know it's kind of hard to kind of put things in a box as far as that stuff goes. But I kind yeah. of, I just had this move to to kind of take. I just found a one of the the college online courses. They're they're uh, exempt accreditation exempt, and I mm-hmm. went through their program and they give you a bachelor's in a in a degree in metaphysics. It's the International College of Metaphysical Theology, so that's kind of what they that's their whole bend, and I've all about metaphysics have been about metaphysics for you know a couple of decades easily so i I just kind of wanted to kind of get a broader sense and sharpen my tools as it were and just kind of see how i could kind of broaden my perspective on what i've learned and it's like you guys say, it's an ongoing process you're always broadening your perspective and that's that's what that was all about you know the biggest takeaway is that i can perform weddings legally in the state of washington so that's <laughs> all there's that but i've done like 10 weddings so hey or 10 marriages
1: yeah i think i think i was well i was looking into like certain metaphysical schools on like like you said they're credit exempt you know it's kind of something you do um on the side or for your own interest you know what i mean um, the ones that i was looking into it at least because there's not too many jobs out there any type of <clears throat> unless it's like freelance work that you can become like a metaphysical teacher you know like officially you right, know which is unfortunate it's unfortunate right hopefully it's gonna be opening up soon but like yeah and they, they you know one of them said that yeah you can be you can you can do weddings and all these things so it's very similar it's very so it's it's very interesting um mm-hmm. but yeah um besides like what so i guess you were involved in metaphysics or like uh studying metaphysics before you ever got involved in any of the the schooling aspect like the official schooling
0: yeah yeah actually i started my i just had this drive back um i i, I remember it, it was about when I was, I think 21, 22, and I had this drive to all of a sudden learn about, you know, esoteric uh, um, topics and things like that. And, uh, I, I don't know why I worked with a guy and I said, Hey, do you know anyone who happens to be like really into this really kind of out there stuff? I didn't know how to describe at the time. He says, well, there's this, there's this girl I know she's a witch and, uh, she, she's into all that stuff. And I met her and and she didn't introduce me to Wicca or Wiccan practices or any other kind of, um, you know, Kitchen Witch Magic or any of that kind of stuff. She introduced me. She did some readings and stuff like that, said, you know, you, you have a propensity to channel. You just kind of seem to be wired that way. But she introduced me to the tarot. And between the, the subject of channeling and the subject of tarot, I just took off running. And then I got a tarot deck and... Learn tarot inside out. And that led me to astrology and it led me to numerology. And then that kind of branched out into some of the more kind of wider ranging things like the Seth material and, um, and, and just all sorts of metaphysicals. And it was a self-study kind of thing for years and years and years and years. So I had already come to the table with having kind of pursued those areas of knowledge uh, already. Uh, but God, you know, I feel like I've just a tiny pebble of what there is to learn that I've acquired,
1: it's just kind of the nature of the beast.
0: The more yeah, you learn, the
1: less you feel like you know. Well, that's that's, that's wisdom right there. It's like like the, the more you know, the less you know you know. You know, just yeah. like Socrates says. You know what I mean? Like like I'm wise for I know nothing. You know, so it's like. <laughs> To some degree, you know, and um, yeah, it's it's like, uh, so I guess from there, you just kind of went down the metaphysical rabbit hole and, and you're still descending down the the, uh, the abyss, right? Exactly. Yep, <laughs> that,
0: you nailed it. That's pretty much yeah. it. There. Yeah,
1: yeah, yeah, same here. yeah. I've personally been involved with the study and, you know, practice mm-hmm. a lot of things, but, you know, especially the study of metaphysics and everything along with esotericism mm-hmm. for a long time as well, maybe like eight years or so. And um, yeah, like you said, it, it, you just, you, there's just never enough. It, it just keeps mm-hmm. going on forever, and um, at the same time, it's just it's almost like an introspective look at you know yourself and the correlation that you have as a spirit or soul, you know, connected to the universe. And like um, as as we all know, like that knowledge is infinite. So you know that the an mm-hmm. um, eternal journey. So yeah, that's that's awesome um, that you're on that. And um, yeah, yeah.
2: Let, let's uh, let's plug Ninth World Journal real quick because I that's one of my favorite podcasts. <laughs> Ninth
0: World. <laughs> yeah, I can do that. Ninth World Journal. It's uh, based on. A role-playing game, Numenera. Um, it's a Monte Cook Games role-playing game, and I, I I throw that out there. But you don't have to know a- anything about the game to appreciate the story. The story is set a billion years in the future, and it's about this guy who's experimenting with um, ancient technology because the world billion years from now, there's been like eight civilizations that were super advanced that are coming and gone, and now they've left behind all this all this ancient technology that nobody even knows what it did or how it works. And it's like bits and pieces of it. And they kind of cobble it together to try to make it work in this, what's kind of almost a middle age type, um, evolution of humanity as it were. And this one guy, this, the, the subject of the story decides he's commissioned by this order that he's with to, to develop a teleportation device. So he, commissions this piece and cobbles it together and tries it out and everything kind of goes sideways. And now he teleports all over the place and he can't control where he goes or when he goes there. And then, you know, he ends up in these weird and dangerous and odd, crazy situations.
1: So what inspired you, um, you know, besides the actual game, uh, what inspired you to actually go down the path of making that like one of your corner points or, or a cornerstone, you know, uh, themes of your, of your podcast? Uh, the, I guess, I guess, I guess not like what, what inspired the whole, you know, the other, the the whole, this, the whole deal with you going down that specific path, say, compared to like any other type of path, just out of, just out of curiosity.
0: Well, I've actually had two podcasts that preceded that one. I love to do podcasts. I like, you know, creating, producing them. The first one was called take the red pill. And it was me and a friend that discussed, all sorts of crazy esoteric topics and we really kind of yeah. stretched yeah. our minds as far as they could go and the second one was with uh two other tarot readers and we called it menage tarot and it was me <laughs> and two women that read tarot and we just talked tarot and oh, that awesome. kind of ran its course and it's you can still find that show for sure and then i thought well i want to do something fiction because i did theater for years and i thought it'd be fun to kind of Create something and act in it, and the world of Numenera. I was like, man, you can come up with a billion stories based on the based on the canon of Numenera from the game. So I just kind of took that and and okay. springboard off of that and made the first fiction podcast, as opposed to the okay. other two, which were discussion formats like you guys have.
1: Yeah, so it's kind of like a mixture, of like creativity and just like how much potential is involved, and like the infinite avenues that that you can do with that that whole side of things that led you to that path. Exactly. Yeah. That's cool. Awesome. Yeah. yeah.
2: Well, all right. All right.
1: Well, guys,
2: uh, now all right. We're, you're a little more familiar with David. Let's uh, go ahead and, and dive right in. Mike, you start wanna, eating the meat, right? You am going to do the honors <laughs> and pick out
1: the first one. Sure. All right. So I'm going to go grab in here and see what we pulling out. We first get slip. We got it. As soon as get some tangled here. Good luck reading my handwriting. All right. Let's see if I can read this glorious handwriting. This one is from Monica. So thank you, Monica, for reaching out and sending this to us. Um, this is, where who slash who can one go to obtain a teacher slash guide to help one learn to gain a higher understanding? And what is the cost? That's actually a great question. Because, it's like a really good leading question. Yeah, too. it's an amazing leading question. Um, well, first off, like this is an area of life that there's a lot of scams. Um, For sure. And there's a lot of money grabs, especially in an age where this is gaining a lot of popularity, um, a lot of traction. And there's a lot of, you can say like gatekeepers, a lot of people who, um, you know, are here to just false shepherds, I guess, in some sense, Um, you know, because like no no matter what it be, if it's like religion or metaphysics or spirituality, you know, there's a lot of lost people out there. There's a lot of people who are completely lost They're suffering. They don't know what to do and they're desperate. And so, you know, there's a billion different avenues, there's a billion different um, Orthodox religions or different Orthodox traditions that tell you that they're the right path and that, you know, and it's all have, they all have like a rigid structure and a rigid outline and like a stencil for what, you know, you, to, to make you out to be a certain cut of that stencil. And um, a, a lot of them are conscious of this whole. Uh, this whole process of what they're doing and and they're kind of in it for the money. Um, and that's kind of like the exoteric aspect of things involving with religion. And um, I don't want to like take the whole question and just like run with it. Um, with, with, you know, without adding other people's inputs. But, um, as another side note is, um, in terms of the esoteric, um, side of things, maybe like the metaphysical or occult side of things, um, that's one that you have to do a lot of research on your own. Um, when I was first getting involved in this whole thing, these 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 areas, you know, you you start to come across like initiation schools and mystery schools, and you know the ancient ones and the ones that are around today. And um, there's even you know there's there, there's master and student teachings, and there's just a billion different paths from like hermeticism to you know like ones that are solely facing uh, the Kabbalah, or um, you know there's any 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 path out there that deals with the esoteric and um a lot of them as well are, are are there for money um so you have to really be careful and you have to track the lineages and um you know just make sure that the original founders had good intent that they were uh reputable you know say like you know pats and uh, that stem from alistair crowley those are pretty reputable but you have to watch out what branches they're from you know um golden dawn's a good school you know um <clears throat> But you know, the modern day, the modern day golden dawn is, is different than, than what it was before. So you really have to do a lot of research, but I'd say the number one thing to, uh, in, in or in order to, um, find one is, is follow intuition, do your research for sure. Um, just do a lot of research. If, if you're lost in this area, like gather all different types of, uh, pathways and, um, you know, Maybe write down a few that, that resonate with you and try to figure out why. And then you kind of stick to one and make it your focal point. Not saying that it's the right or wrong. There's no right or wrong. It's just more so whatever works for you works for you. Um, and in terms of the cost, you know, if, if they're providing a lot of materials, a lot of time, maybe a school or a temple, um, investments, um, you know, um, books, things of that sort, then, you know, of course, there's gonna be money involved. But just you just have, have to watch out. That's not like a money grabbing scheme. Um, that's just my input in terms of this question.
2: Yeah. That's like a real good look at like the private sector where, um, you're, you're going out and either seeking a, a temple, a group or an individual teacher. Uh, David actually had, we, we kind of touched on it a little bit ago. Um, like a more formal teaching at like a university David, could, uh, mm-hmm. maybe like, tell us, like, how did you find the university and what was the admissions process like? What was that like for you?
0: The that actually I I did what you said, Mike, and I did a lot of digging, a lot of reading and a lot of kind of searching one to the other. And to be honest mm-hmm. with you, the, the the metaphysical teaching it that was a few years, just a handful of years, but really my metaphysical education has been uh, a long, long journey and it's been a lot of intuition behind it. A lot of intuition. And for the, the path I took was, is I just, first of all, I, be, I became really intimately acquainted with my own intuition and then my own guides. And the guides can take whatever form you guys call them. I just call it my entourage or my spiritual entourage. And once you just know, once you have a connection with whatever that is, whatever that looks like, and you know you can trust it and you have that relationship, you can just put it out there to whatever guidance you get and you're going to get back it'll return to you and you'll learn to be able to discern and trust what might send off alarms like what you were talking about mike with people who just want to grab your money uh online yeah, and yeah. teach you you know well there's this this mystery school da 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 it's been around for you know centuries but yeah, you know, anybody can say anything
1: yeah yep, right
0: yep. but i think there's when and so for not only the formalized one but also teachings that were less formal it was really a lot of just it's a lot of gut work and and you have to be careful because you have to really learn to trust a your gut your intuition and whatever guidance you've asked for you have to trust that the guidance is good guidance and that and then i always say that that's kind of the primer a lot of people should do and it doesn't it seems like if people are like oh i want to jump right in um it feels like that's kind of a thing to do first of all, foremost before you, because it's going to help. I think people in the long run run avoid getting into traps and pitfalls.
1: Yeah, for sure. And like me personally, like when I was getting in all this thing, all this stuff, um, you know, like in terms of the question, you know, um, I'm just assuming it's, it's based off. Of like she's saying like higher, higher understanding. So that could be anything that suits your intellectual level that suits your spiritual level that, that, that suits your energetic level. You know, it could be something as simple. You know, a, a lot of a lot of um, you know a lot of sages or, or, or um, philosophers have said that you know there's there's a lot, there's four aspects or four levels of learning in terms of a lot of holy books. Um, a lot of exoteric holy books, say the Bible, the Quran, or all those things, you know, say like the first is like fundamental, the second might be ethnocentric, uh, the third might be um, allegorical, and the fourth might be a metaphysical and inspirational. And in terms of all, it all depends on your different level of understanding of things, and say like if, if you're not, you know, intellectually inclined, and you don't really care about all the details and things of that matter, then, you know, just just um, do some research and, and figure out what suits you best, but, you know, just try not to create the dams and barriers between you and other people in claiming that your path is, you know, 100 percent right or wrong you know for me it's all about the sustenance the spiritual sustenance and the uh, the moralistic aspects that you get out of these things that are the most important And i think a lot of people are stuck on the, the tribalism um, of the primitive aspects of their mind when they're when they're adhering to a certain path and then they adhere that path to their ego and and, and when when you when you that's that's why i like when dave said earlier he doesn't like label or he he said he mentioned about the label thing he's not really a label guy and i like that because Labels are a way to dam- to put a dam in the stream of consciousness and that um, once you get attached to labels, you know, these labels get attached to your ego and then it gets attached to your identity and then your identity is attached to these labels and these things and you don't want to be wrong. You get prideful about your path. You get, you, you start to believe that's the only way and it gets so ingrained into your identity that, you're, that you start to forget the actual, you know, initial reasons why you're going down the path to begin with and it gets contrary. It gets, becomes like a contrarian quest. Um, And for me, I personally, um, I, I, I spent about honestly like three or four years studying like hard all the time, like trying to figure out, you know, metaphysics and the occult and different things along those lines. Cause I was just drawn to more intellectually, psychological spirituality and, um, you know, sacred geometry and just the depths of the universe and all the, all the, you know, just, I was just obsessed with trying to figure out truth because of my, my upbringing and, um, and all i've been through so i i'd done a lot of studying i i had sifted through a lot of paths a lot of because this is such an obscure weird ass uh, area of life it's not really spoken about which is why it's you know occulted um which means hidden so um and it it, it took me a long time and i had no one else to speak to about this stuff with so um it, it was it was like kind of a leaving the material world and, and jumping into, you know, pretty much like the, like the abyss. And you have to you wade your way down uh, the waters of, of darkness with your own psychology and uh, kind of erase a lot of things that you've learned a, in the past. And um, it's it, it's not always a, a happy, easy path um, when, when you're challenging <laughs> your, your core beliefs. And um, right. so it's just – and in the process, it's uh, – to to bring it back to what i was saying earlier it's easy to get tangled up um in someone else's schemes um to take advantage of that part of your journey that you're completely lost and and you feel like you're abandoning your old self like your identity and you don't know how to let go of it and it's a very tumultuous time um so yeah so you know it's just you know take your time don't rush into anything always do your research um i was part of an initiatory school before you know that cleaned a lot of prestige and it seemed to do so. Um, I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna say which one it is um, because of my affiliations that I had. I, I don't want to just put any type of weird thing with the with that school. But um, later, you know, I later just I, I got into it, and um, just the things that they were claiming after I had gotten into it um, were just just false. They're just straight false. So they were claiming that they were the only path that they descended all the way back from, um, you know, the Egyptian times and all these things, and this simply wasn't true. Um, I know it wasn't true. And uh, when one little school is claiming that, then that's a red flag, especially when they're throwing, you know, things to buy, different merchandise, um, and, uh, it, it, and telling you not to read anything else other than that. Just look out for these red flags. Um, there's never just one path. You know, just, it's just important to have a focus. Um, so yeah, um, and to wrap it up with what I'm saying, you know, after four years, you know, I found out, um, maybe three to four years, I found out what certain paths I I want to to pick. And just because you're on a certain path or you're doing certain uh, things in your spirituality, it doesn't mean you, you can't include other aspects of other spiritualities. Once you get settled in on what you're doing or make alterations to the path that you're doing, you know, um, eventually like Dave was saying, you know, your intuition or, or your, your higher self or your guides or, Whatever archetypes in your subconscious um, that you have within your psychology um, will rise up if you let it, um, if, if you become in touch with those things, no matter what label, title you call it, it'll guide you um, toward the proper path for you. And, and um, yeah, you just, you just have to um, have faith in the process and, and um, never allow your will or yourself to be governed by someone else's in the process. That's what I have to say on that one.
2: Yeah. I mean, uh, for me, I only have one thing to add myself. Um, when it came to, well, I mean, I'm, I'm still doing it, still doing all the studying and everything. And, um, you know, when we first started doing this, I was very heavily into witchcraft uh, and magic in itself, uh, without any like direction. And the mm-hmm. thing that I've learned so far is you have to learn how to listen to the call. And if you can listen to the call and it'll tell you where to go, And it really, that's just, that's your higher self reaching out to you saying, this is, this is where you need to go. And like, so I I was involved with this, this witchcraft and all this. And like, I spent, you're going to spend money on books like that. Mm -hmm. It's going to, and some of these books, you're going to pick them up three, four times. And then they're like $40 books and you're going to end up putting them down. Fortunately, I do this podcast. So I still have a use for them. Like, oh, there's this useful information for this topic. The listeners want to hear about, and I can pull those books out. But for my actual practice at home now, I'm not using them for anything other than intellectual uh, gain for when we do these episodes. And so like I was involved with this witchcraft and then the call, you, the phone rings like, and you just kind of feel it. And now I'm way more interested and um, drawn to the idea of uh, becoming an adept, that internal magic and controlling and mastering your emotional state and, and just really transcending your higher self in that way, which is the complete opposite of where I was four months ago.
1: Mm-hmm. yeah that goes between like the, the difference between like low magic and high magic and the intense and, and what you're using and and um yeah so it, it's um you know a lot of people get into these things because it's rebellious you know and I, I was at fault for this a long time ago as well to some degree i was drawn toward it, but at the same time i was raised catholic so you want to be like rebellious and this and that and then you kind of learn like oh no it's, it's still my path but the ego got in the way and um you know, that's why it's so important to to keep that ego at bay. And a, a, a lot of these initiatory schools, if you're into the metaphysical aspect or high magic or, you know, things of the uh, esoteric orders along those lines, they work to disintegrate that ego and to align the elements within you and become, you know, what CJ said is like a, a, an adept, you know, and um, and lead you up to the higher planes. And, um, and you're... In terms of the higher understanding of like Monica, like Monica had mentioned, um, the more you, you release these dams within your consciousness, whether it be your ego, whether it be resentments, anger, um, things that you feel have wronged you in life, um, traumas from your past, you know, anything that's lodged into your subconscious, you know, the more you release uh, those wrinkles in your consciousness and you iron them out, you know, the, the higher you can ascend in terms of knowledge. You can almost, you can almost. And like knowledge is beyond no, knowledge is beyond thought or or speech. Um, There's you know speech is preceded by feeling, uh, by intuition, by something that's beyond the expression of that feeling. So knowledge can come in a form of uh, of just internal feeling. And the the more you relinquish all those things, uh, you know, I kind of like in the soul or the spirit or the mind, like kind of like a tuning fork, you know, kind of like a a musical tuning fork. And um, the more you polish that tuning fork. Um, and, and you ascend the octaves higher and higher and higher and it, it vibrates higher and higher as an energetic frequency the more you can align with higher types of eternal knowledge and, the, and and you might even just get these things you know like they call like downloads or spiritual insights out of nowhere that just come into your consciousness and i personally like to write these all, all these things down um which is why i like to share my, my personal page on instagram but it, it, you just you, you'll get these things constantly coming through your mind as as you um quote unquote, ascend or whatever you want to call it. I don't really, you know, I want to get too sound too pretentious. I mean, at the end of the day, anyone could do this stuff. (laughs) I think everyone um, will be doing these things, but eventually, but yeah, so it's just, um, you know, you'll start to learn the process. Um, you just have to learn how to trust yourself and make sure there's not any little, you know, dark demons getting in the way in your mind along the way. But yeah, that's about it. Do you have anything to add David before we move to the next question? Uh, Just one thing The
0: uh, you know, when I listen, when you talk about being an adept and you're talking about ascending, I think those are really valid. And I think there's kind of this it's it's so it's almost contradictory in itself, because it, like we were saying earlier, at the top of the show, I think is before we started recording that the, the more you learn, the less you feel like, you know, it's it's this kind of as you ascend, you kind of get to this next level and at the next level is this kind of like n- you become a noob all of a sudden again <laughs> so it's like each time <laughs> always, you ascend, you're just like wait a minute i thought i was there and i feel like i'm starting over but it's not like it's not like you are starting over it's kind of more like a spiral you know you end up kind of at the same point but just a little bit above or open and it's <laughs> I, i'll share a super quick story i remember mm-hmm. when i was trying to um you know, I was, it was actually just a couple of years after I first got really curious about all this stuff. And I was living in New York at the time and I decided I'm going to go into the city and I'm going to find some form of enlightenment today. And I just decided mm-hmm. to do that. I was just going to walk. I was going to have no destination in mind, no goal. And I was going to trust that I would be taken wherever I needed to go. And I went to bookstore and bought Seth book and something. And I just kept walking, walking, walking. And then this woman just stops me in the street. All of a sudden she goes, have you heard of nam Yoho And I'm like, no, what is that? Well, it turns <laughs> out that it's this chant that this certain sect of Buddhism does. And the wow. whole idea is, and she says, come upstairs and we'll tell you about it. So these people are sitting and they've got the beads, kind of like the Catholic rosary beads, but they're Uh different. Um, But they're sitting cross-legged and they're going, and sitting in front of this giant scroll that's on the wall in this box, in the shrine, this fancy wooden thing. And so they they sit there and they say, okay, see that scroll on the wall? Everybody who, who becomes part of this gets one of those. And what that is, is that is a manifestation of the universe. And each of us, each of us is a manifestation of the universe. You yourself is a manifestation of the universe. And I'm like, oh, my God, this completely resonates with, with what I've been learning and all this other stuff. And yeah, that's why I got all into it. And they're like, OK, here's what you do. Just chant. Chant for anything you want, whatever you want. Go ahead. Make it as big as possible. So I started doing this and I started chanting for these arbitrary things and these simple things. And they kept happening over and over and over again. And they're like, mm-hmm. why? because you're a manifestation of the universe and all you need to do is tap into the manifestation and the chanting is a channeling way of doing it it's a way of getting there and then it kind of started the whole sect kind of started getting a little bit more dogmatic and kind of like what you were saying like about oh well now the more money you pour into this the more things will come back to you. i'm like okay hold on a second and i tapped yeah. out but yeah. that was a huge i still carry the whole idea of Being able to manifest through your will, through your focusing and through your intention and, you know, going into an altered state of consciousness that chanting can do. And, you know, certain Uh words have certain vibrations and resonance that can kind of aid in that. But it was it it led me there. I mean, it wasn't the end all to be all. It was one of those little platforms you get to and then you go, oh, I got to start over. But. That's kind of an example of a, a, a teachable moment that just kind of happened for a moment in time. I got something out of it. I didn't have to stay that course for the whole time, and I could take it with me to the next course.
1: Yeah, you pretty much took like the uh, like like a really good aspect of it. You took like a golden thread of it, and um, kind of took off with it, and that's great because you saw the red flag, and um, and, and yeah, like you said, like that's kind of. Um, Semblant of like the law of attraction you know like with the secret movie and all this stuff you know they make it seem like you just think something and it happens um you know you right. have to put effort and action into it, of course you know you can't just sit there and think it all day and not move and ha- expect it to happen but the law of attraction is very real in terms of if, if you you know you you know you you really put emotion thought and visualization into an idea and you really keep reiterating it into your subconscious mind and meditation and mantra is a great way to get down to your subconscious mind because it transcends um the, the uh, alpha and beta waves that you have in your normal waking consciousness and it gets down to the theta and delta waves and that gets down to your subconscious and uh, that's why mantras are so effective and um you know it has to be a creative mantra too it has to be in a positive light not a negative one with um, a lot of positive words and reinforcements so um yeah, it's just a lot of people who are very confused about the whole law of attraction and, and how mantras can work and, and meditation, how these things align together. Um, yeah, you definitely took a really good aspect of that. And thankfully, you saw, um, you know, what was the come um, and, uh, and took off because mm-hmm. you know, that, that's something, it, you know, like we were saying, you definitely encounter a lot if you don't do your proper research. But um, yeah, spontaneous. You, might get, awesome.
0: you might get what you asked for, but you will go, wait a minute. Maybe I didn't yeah. want this. Now that I got it, I don't know. <laughs> yeah.
1: <laughs> but yeah, okay, that was okay. a good one.
0: So uh,
2: we'll go to the next one. Uh, David's not in the studio with us, but we'll let him do this little intuition uh, mixing <laughs> the hand around here. David, say when we pull one
0: out. I'll just reach out to the ether. You,
1: you, you feel that? You feel that? <laughs> yep. There, there you go. There you go. I see him reaching for it right now. <laughs> All right. Say when. When. All right. All right. There we got him.
2: All right, what do we got? Let's see what, we what Dave's got, got here. <laughs> All right, uh, this question comes from Gaston from uh, Six Drinks In. He said, uh, what are ley lines and why are they important? Oh, man. See, this is one I'm not too knowledgeable at, honestly. Um, right. I know super vague amounts of things about ley lines. The only thing that I know about them is they're lines that connect structures uh, that uh, the idea originated... Uh, in the not far off past I
1: think the century, yeah, in the
2: 20th and, century yeah uh, 20th century it was a, it's a it's a, a british concept they're saying that these lines connect these ancient structures and these newer structures that follow energy waveforms of the earth
1: yeah so like they these ley lines what you're saying like and i've i've heard about these briefly before it's 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 like you're saying like there's like there's like massive landmarks uh or monuments in in the world ancient
2: and and new pyramids the stonehenge and then like
1: big ben and then like the empire state building maybe like the nazca lines as well um mountains everything that could be something kind of similar to maybe it's like the meridians on our body or the chakras and and the the shishimna and pangala aspects (sighs) of the uh, of the body in certain traditions and maybe say like the Earth might have these certain energetic or electromagnetic um, grids. Uh, you know, uh, well, that's what they called hidden, it. write the, the ley lines, right? In in the very
2: brief kind of what thing that I was able to yeah. understand about it, that's what it, says. it was like a grid. David,
0: do you know? Do you know about ley lines? Uh, a bit about ley lines. I'm not an expert by any means, but my understanding of them is that they're. Like you said, they're, they're, they're the Earth's energetic grid and that there's where and there's several of them going in several directions, kind of following sacred, sacred geometry paths and where they intersect are concentrated points of energy, like what you guys talked about. And then there's significant ones. There's several different types. Some are like the, the Earth chakras that sit at certain points the, the pyramids of Giza, Mount Shasta, mm-hmm. um, Uluru Rock over in Australia. Um uh, Stonehenge, these all sit on. And I think there's a uh, one that's a moving one that moves constantly. It's not stationary like those other six and where those sit are really concentrated, collected points of energy. And my understanding is if you're performing magic, you, it really kind of intensifies uh, whatever ritual you're trying to perform. I, I guess, Washington DC, they knew about it and there, and I've, Read before that. It's hard to say. Oh, I'm going to build my house on a on a intersection of ley lines on these lay points, because very powerful organizations and people have already figured that out and laid claim to them. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and they're like, "Too bad, sucker." I, I got this it. now.
1: And then they're showing off this like superficial game to us. You know what I mean? These like superficial politics <laughs> Official motives and behind the scenes, they have all this crazy knowledge. You know what I mean? They're wearing black right. robes. Yeah, yeah, they're wearing black robes <laughs> at um. Well, they're definitely wearing wearing black robes and doing rituals at um uh, the Large hedron Collider, CERN. Uh, no, so that's something. Oh yeah, gonna, that's some uh, trippy stuff. Shiba. Yeah, yeah, on the statue, <laughs> but they have right. out front. Oh, I mean, which you know isn't necessarily bad, but you know it's just kind of interesting. The other thing that
2: I did read about ley lines is there's an idea that they are also a map for extraterrestrials. interesting interesting i Um, didn't i didn't really get i didn't find a whole lot that i had time to read uh on that particular subject but i was like
1: okay like (laughs) yeah especially maybe if like the ship is like drawn or like you know maybe if uh the the ufo or whatever they use um is is based off of certain energetic frequencies or or, um you know like wormholes or maybe things you know things have to connect to some degree in the universe um that we just can't see you know our senses are so limited but you know if if i had if i were to to um give an opinion as to if i think they exist um which is kind of a side thing i you know um I I like the whole philosophy of as above, so below and hermes uh and hermeticism, um, to some degree, which, you know, kinda dictates uh, the law of analogy to some degree in one aspect. And um if we potentially have energetic centers in our body that are more prominent, say maybe even animals have energetic centers that are more prominent, or you know, say like these chakra systems are actually hundred percent real, um uh, which I, you know, happen to lean towards the idea that they are to some degree for sure. Um Uh, or real and you could tap into energetic centers in your body for change um then i wouldn't see why there would be a similar aspect in the earth and that the earth couldn't be somewhat um alive and conscious or everything in the universe and that there's certain um things on planets or or stars uh that are just more prominent in their energy locations and it doesn't even have to um it doesn't even have to uh, uh, sound that crazy um maybe it's just the way that they're aligned in space maybe it's just the way that they're rotating and uh, like the patterns that they're doing the mathematical patterns that a lot of plants are associated with and their travels or their orbits um you know it, it could just be a, a cause and effect action of just the energies interacting with each other um and thus aligning certain energetic points more prominent on the planet um uh, i I, got, I could totally see it being a, a reality i like the aliens yeah I- yeah that, the alien yeah i mean maybe the, maybe the aliens <laughs> tap into these things and they're yeah. maybe, like, like a, you said
0: they're fueled by the, the ley lines, maybe these energetic nexuses and paths, they can kind of connect to more easily, more readily, kind of like a car, a car can drive off road, but it's going to drive better on road. That's already yeah, paved yeah. and informed.
1: Or say like these ETs have some type of like radar in their UFO or something like that, that it's so high tech, you can like zoom into like solar systems and planets and activity or, or, or or certain frequencies of life. And um, then maybe they zoom in on these things and they see like energetic currents on these, these planets that they can tap into to get them there faster, or it's more of a prominent site uh for them to align the energies with to, to warp them I mean this could, this can get real crazy this this is why you know yeah. metaphysics into a rabbit hole if you let like it but um in a, yeah. in a
2: way <laughs> for me it makes sense in almost like a romanticism uh sense mm-hmm. where they they come down and they're like all right tiny stupid people pyramid there no <laughs> there <laughs> yeah and we're like okay and then it's like all right now you've marked the ley line for us thank you very much
0: you can put, you put <laughs> let do the there. work for <laughs>
1: <us>. <laughs> yeah and i think That's i do awesome. remember hearing about something with washington dc um they kind of like certain formations of the buildings that they have it involves like a pentagram like there's uh there's there's five buildings I think involving Washington uh, I mean the White House itself that you know forms a pentagram and the Washington Monument itself is a giant uh, it's a, a giant penis uh, it's a phallus it's a it's a phallus yeah.
2: <laughs> I was going with pendulum but I ain't. it's like well, a reverse I, pendulum
1: I, I think it's supposed to initially be like a phallic symbol if I remember my research
2: I, I think in
0: history it was yeah I think
1: you are right. yeah but and it's
0: not a lot of magic stuff you know they you know the <laughs> they've got a lot of ritual built into a lot of the stuff they did in dc oh, it's yeah. really crazy
1: yeah the freemasons uh yeah they're they're very monumental and um and building our society today and you can see their symbolism all over the place everyone just so, saw my fourth grader side he's like penis <laughs> i laughed all right <laughs> yeah i wasn't even trying
2: i just you know
1: ballets, penis, it, you just, know it just caught me off guard because
2: <laughs> i was like headed for the word pendulum and it just
1: that's kind of like the yoni i think the yoni is symbol symbolic i think the yoni uh, of a, like a like a vagina like some type of divine version of the feminine and uh, i think hinduism or i could be wrong with that but yeah so you, you know you see a lot of phallic symbolism and a lot of um you know feminine symbolism and a lot of think, things ancient, growing up so it's very it's very common
2: ancient greek culture a lot of their yeah. structures were very phallic uh, mm-hmm. even mm-hmm. like uh, stone artworks and stuff that were like uh, supposed to mark um i forget it was a documentary I saw a long time ago. Yeah, it was interesting though.
1: It's just interesting how, like, you know, we we uh, I don't know, associate these like I guess like primitive aspects to like conquering our power, and, and you know, we kind of like spread them, whether it be spiritual or physical or material. Right. I don't know. So to answer Gaston's concept.
2: questions, uh, ley lines are that, and they're important because aliens. <laughs> <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, it's always I, alien, man. These, these aliens. These guys are really—I
2: really like. It sounds funny, but I really like that answer.
1: It is a good answer.
0: <laughs> I bet you there's something to it. <laughs> I never know.
2: All right, let's go. All right, I'm gonna draw this let's
1: one. Number three.
2: Who we get here? Oh, oh! I knocked my headphones out. There we go. <laughs> oh, this is a good one. This one what comes from a uh, spajamper of the Parks Network. Spajamper, what's up? What is consciousness and where and how is it stored? Oh man, I've been oh, sitting. Question, yeah, right? I've actually <laughs>
1: the I've brain, been sitting dude. The in, brain. in
2: philosophical thought on this specific question since he wrote it. I think it's been in the I think he sent it to us like probably almost a week ago. And I've been mm. sitting on that. Like, I need an answer for this because he kind of challenged one. it. In parentheses, he was like, I don't expect an answer. I'm like, Oh, you're getting one, buddy. Oh, yeah, yeah. you'll definitely
1: really get one. I'm definitely get one in terms of how i view it at some point but um you but know I, I've leave uh, that one
2: off i had yeah i'll uh I'll, i dude i've been so looking forward to this question so we we discussed about uh the principle of vibration and everything and i've come to the conclusion that the human consciousness is our entity our energy and it vibrates right and i'm i'm of the opinion that we vibrate At such a high level that for us to interact on the 3d plane we need something that allows us to lower that vibration which is why we're in these meat suits Mm -hmm. like this like it's almost like in the sense of the ufo where we need something that allows us to lower that vibration to ground us on earth right yeah so that we can experience um uh this stage of our of our transcendence so we have our consciousness it vibrates at a super high level and we get placed into this physical body. Um, well, as physical as it can possibly be on the vibrational energy scale. And we exist within that realm. And where is it stored? Our, throughout our entire being, right? Mm-hmm. And then when this body is done, when it's expired, when it can't move anymore, and we've we've learned what we came to learn here. Maybe, maybe we're not done learning and we need another body. We got to start over and learn more. But when we're done here, our, our consciousness returns to its original vibration and transcends to the next plane. And that is the answer I came up with.
1: Yeah. That's kind of like similar to what we had spoken about in a previous episode in terms of um, the ascension process of vibrations and consciousness. But um, how I personally view it would be um, say I I, I, I hold the idea that, you know, potentially everything is everything like the universe is conscious um, of itself. Say how, We are conscious of, we're we're self-aware of ourselves, so we're inclined to move. We're inclined to to motion. Um, and at the same time, like the universe is in motion, and the universe has rituals, and the universe uh, is structured in a certain way that it operates. So maybe the universe is conscious of itself as well. Um, and, uh, wherever there's motion, there's consciousness, um, to some degree, and I kind of feel like everything, everything is conscious to some degree, whether it's self-conscious or not, even at the subatomic particle or quark level. Um, cause they're still functioning. There's still a program there. It's still operating and it's still, um, in, in such a harmony to the point where all this has been an extent for so long and has been functioning the way it has for so long, um, so i feel like there's some inherent type of consciousness that's you know omnipotent on the president uh omnipresent you know kind of like essentially god the mind of god and um this is kind of like a hologram or simulation or whatever whatever label or term you want to give it to an illusion that something is that isn't um like an internal paradox happening at the same time um and that in terms of a of consciousness itself i, I kind of like how we have like um you know here we have like solid liquid gas plasma different stages of quote-unquote matter um or you know condensed particles um or subtle particles that are hovering with each other uh maybe say consciousness to some degree goes from force which would be maybe like a gas or plasma all the way down to form which might be condensed matter um in terms of like an analogy um and say like a, a certain force has inherent intelligence say like the force is the universe uh, the pillars that hold uh the, the structure of the universe together and having it operate that we can't even see, um, unless you learn to get in tune with it as a magician or some other energetic worker. And you can tune into these forces and manipulate them or, or, or have them do certain things. Um, because you're tapped into these forces and these intelligences and these consciousnesses. Um, but say like, uh, if you have like a, if one entity or one thing has a high, um, Level of consciousness. Um, maybe you, if once if you want to look at it in layers, it could be a force. It's uh, something that's extremely expansive and helps the whole system operate. And then maybe from force, um, it can get condensed all the way down into a form, like say like a human being. Um, and we're just kind of like condensed versions of of consciousness that. Um it's it's a consciousness that has been condensed, that has been limited, that has been narrowed, that has been focused, and that is granted certain abilities based off the condensation of consciousness. Um so I guess uh in terms of my answer, consciousness is um all pervasive. It's everywhere, it's everything. Um and, and to the degree that it functions, to the degree that it alters its environment, and to to the effect it has on the environment, whether it be on a universal scale or a planetary scale, or even a bodily scale um, depends on the you know the vibration that you're that that you're aligned with. Uh, it depends upon your level of understanding. Um, it, and depends just upon your your place in the in the eternal spectrum of consciousness that I like to call it. Um, and just like there's colors that all that just like every single color fits into a color spectrum, every single sound fits into a sound spectrum. Um, you know, say like there's blue in the color scale, there's red in the color scale and they all align at some point um say like we're we might be a part of the uh the the, the blue frequency quote just just a, some random uh, color you know we're we're part of that part of the spectrum of consciousness and say the higher forces out there might be part of the red the higher vibrating aspects of, of that consciousness and this is all just one giant spectrum of consciousness living out its illusion and um living out its drama um and yeah so that's a kind of a uh a little summary of just what I can you know put together at the top of my head with with my ideas. I want you to know I was super proud of my answer, and I don't appreciate
2: that you blew it out of the water. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I wouldn't say I blew it out of the water. It's a take on it based of all my all my uh you know, meditations perspectives, this and that. I don't know. <laughs> what do you got for us, David?
0: <laughs> Mine straddles pretty much what you guys say. There's a It's like it goes from the kind of the focused and concentrated meat suit idea and also the uh, as above, so below uh, fractal experiential of the universe. I like to think of it as if um, it's just I think of it as there's kind of a why that's inherent in human consciousness that's not inherent in anything else, because the universe just creates and the universe is and the universe becomes and it's in this constant state of creating an isness and becoming an is notness all that is just inherent in the universe now in order for the universe to really examine itself the universe it's just going to take it all for granted just keep creating and stuff like that so there was an opportunity in humanity in our souls and spirits where it became all right let's remove ourselves from ourselves or give ourselves the illusion of being removed from ourselves So that everything looks like it's outside of ourselves and it creates the individual human consciousness, the the Mm -hmm. inherent connection becomes disconnected so that we can really explore looking at ourselves, looking at, you know, the universe can look at itself from outside of itself or at least the illusion of being outside of itself. And it's kind of like, you know, when if you take like a, say you take like an eight by 10 holographic image and you tear it up in a bunch of bits you pick up one of those bits and the entire holographic image still appears in that little bit that you just tore up. Mm -hmm. And I think it's the same thing with human consciousness, but like to Mike's point or not to Mike's point to CJ's point, it's like, it's so intensely focused in this space and time of meat suitness that we can't help but respond at this particular Rate of vibration at this particular frequency. I mean, I, I sit there and go, Well, is there a consciousness in like my liver or an atom or like a tree? And some esotericists who've kind of done astral projection and stuff like that have gleaned the idea of consciousness of trees that it extends way beyond when the tree is cut down and that the trees have a collective co- consciousness in and of themselves. And I think there's just this, and like a dog, they don't question anything. A dog never asks why. They they just like, it is or it isn't, I want or I don't want. But we're asking why. Why are we asking why? Why is it we're trying to question what is, which is this existence that is? You can't really argue it, or can you? And so it's this, that's what I think human consciousness is. It's this kind of opportunity for the universe to examine itself out of its side of itself but it's not really it's just it's an illusion <laughs>
1: Yeah, which is why I think in the human form or whatever form you're in, you're you're granted certain abilities and limitations and et cetera to have a certain f- frame of experience in order to learn certain lessons that your energy or, or consciousness needs to ascend or grow, uh, maybe yes. to advance to the next level. Um, and that we're all essentially kind of um, shards of infinite consciousness within the mind of a God reflecting each other, uh, whether it be a shard versus a shard, maybe like you and me reflect each other. And the things that we, see, we notice in you are things that we have in ourselves. And uh, the things that we see in the universe have some type of correlation within ourselves once we once we reach that level of understanding, and um, and also to some degree, uh, well, it's 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 been um, it's been uh, noted that in terms of different organs in the body, like they all have their specific intelligences and in that they know what to do, um, whether it be operated by the subconscious mind or on their own, and that there's been reported incidences that. Uh, when we say like, um, this one, I think it was a lady, uh, I don't remember the gender, but I think it was a woman who had got her a heart transplant, I believe. And when she got this new heart transplant, uh, she started having all these cravings and all these, all these sensations and all these different aspects of her personality that resembled a man. And, um, when, when, when they went and they researched the origin of the heart who initially had the heart, it was a man and he had these exact um, inclinations. And, 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 and so it was almost as if she inherited a lot of the traits of this man, um. Just because that heart was put inside of her, and this has been noted in other instances as well, with maybe like a liver or certain other uh, bodily parts as well. Um, so that's definitely something to ponder upon in terms of an intelligence um, being located in an organ. Um, and 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 um, yes, yeah, so I don't know. It's it's a it's a very convoluted. It's a very it's a very uh, abstract question when you really get into it. But um,
0: you, so I don't know. I just, let me ask you guys this then: uh-huh? if, When the body dies. If there's an inherent consciousness, like, say, in the heart, for example, or even in a cellular level, when the body dies, you know, all these these, these um, organic components start breaking down and start, you know, our, the water evaporates into the air, the oxygen is released, the CO2 is released, all this other stuff. Is there any aspect of our consciousness that exi- that resided that will continue on in those little tiny particles and pieces? And how would we even recognize
1: it are you speaking about in terms of like the the material point like like the vessel or the body that maybe the the, the uh the the consciousness of the energy inhabited if it still yeah. goes on right um I, yeah I personally kind of think that well me personally I, I kind of feel like the uh the spirit um maybe powered by the soul quote unquote the energy of the universe um kind of like our astral our astral double. Of ourself might ascend to a higher plane or a more subtle plane, in which maybe you know we'll have uh, more control over our environment if we ascend in a certain direction. Um, that might be more emotional, more feeling, less less physical suffering, less physical pain, less less um less physical, and that aspect of ourself um, will live on in, in that domain and say maybe, uh, maybe that will relate to a certain element or, or maybe a certain like you know the the four elements and spirit. Um, maybe maybe what we Maybe the body that we inhabited um, isn't necessarily us in terms of our spiritual self, but more so the vessel might have elemental energy or elemental consciousness, say, of Earth, um, because it's of the Earth. So maybe it might be a certain—just like there's elementals, you know, like salamanders of fire, satyrs, this and that that they claim. They say maybe—it's just an idea. Maybe— um if maybe because of our imprint of our energy and our frequency maybe that imprint was left upon the material plane in the vessel but it's not necessarily us it's just it's been an imprint that was imprinted upon that material um those, those particles and it's still vibrating our essence here on the material plane but it's of earth so maybe it's like an elemental energy that we've created
0: maybe, i think uh, i think there's a lot to that
1: i don't know it's a good question though maybe maybe um
2: it's not necessarily like um, it, it maintains like as a vessel, like it maintains a consciousness, but maybe uh, the remains maintain an attachment to the consciousness and like um, the, the, the energy, of the consciousness would be able to return uh, to where those pieces are. It, like uh, maybe that's how we get the concept of ghosts, you know, people who see ghosts and encounter spirits and whatnot. Um there's there's some sort of remains, bones, fossilized remains, things like that left behind that allows this tether for the consciousness to return to
0: or observe or something like that. Well yeah, when maybe, you talk about the ghost, the interesting thing about that is is like you ever notice a ghost is always like a person at a specific age in a specific time in a specific place? The ghost yeah. isn't like, well, the the, you know, the mother of the maiden crone, you don't get the, all the aspects of the crone, the the ghost, you just get like the maiden or whatever. And I'm wondering if to use that technology like, like, you know, when you're, you go through life and you have memories of this event and you have memories of that event, but you were different ages and different people, or even your emotions, you know, in the mm-hmm. same day, yeah. I could be in a bad mood or I could be relaxed or I could be ecstatic. And each of those emotions is kind of, it's its own emotion. You can't really mix it with the other emotion But yet those all those different emotions belong to me in that day. So what if this life experience that I'm having from age, you know, zero to 90 is one aspect of something else? So, in other words, when we, you know, become whatever we're going to become after we die, what if there's a collective and then this life is part of that collective experience that we can put in to this big group? Kind of like, oh, I was in a bad mood between eight and eight thirty this morning is still part of my entire who i am
1: yeah i definitely i definitely have a certain uh, idea that um that there's there's like a, a collective consciousness or like a degree or spectrum of consciousness that you know we all might inhabit like kind of like you're saying and that um it, it's it's um i don't know this is it's it's kind of like maybe like there's like a group spirit you know like a, mm. a group soul and like we're all particles or cells of that group soul um whether it be the human version of that the animal you know insect you know crystal whatever you know whatever it might be um i i have been thinking actually about you know maybe even we come here and lesser groups of that like say we have like a a, a group consciousness of human beings and then we have certain groups within that group and just like you know it's kind of like a miniature spectrum of consciousness that's within mm-hmm. a larger overall spectrum of consciousness and within that within Say like the shade of blue within the con- universal consciousness, we have human beings, and then within that blue, we have different shades of blue. And say maybe we have uh, different uh, collectives or groups that we come here with um, that we don't know about, that we meet, that we consider quote unquote soulmates, and that we resonate with them, that help each other out throughout our lives in the center where we have to go. But they're not us; they're not a part of us. So I mean, in, in yeah. the grand scheme, they will be. But in, but here, um, it, 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 we just came here as a group, as a collective, to, to learn from each other. Um, And then go and then go our pets, and maybe we're and maybe those those groups, whether it be your friends, uh, best friends, you know, temporary quote unquote soulmates, temporary twin flames, or you want to call it. um, Maybe they're all part of a lesser uh, grouping of consciousness within the human collective consciousness. Um, I think there's a lot to that. Yeah. Yeah, it's just like the whole, just like the, the I don't know. I just kind of like to view things in like a spectrum and, and, you know, the whole as above, so below analogous and very similar to what you said. So, yeah, no, it's it's a it's a good idea. I, li- I like what you're saying there. Mm-hmm. No, definitely. But yeah. All
2: right, guys. We're, we're like about an hour. Do you guys want to do one or two more? i yeah. I mean,
1: I vote yes. Done, right. For sure. All right.
0: All so right.
1: Mike, go ahead. totally
0: digging this, got. guys. <laughs> this is awesome. <laughs> yeah, man.
1: <laughs> this is a lot of fun. I'm enjoying this. Yeah. These, these are great conversations. Um, Let's see what we got. All right. like two or three thinking, pieces left. I think in there's years. one more in there. Yeah, got myself a little slip. So we got all right, Was this question number three or four? Four, number four. All right, so I guess uh, the same guy, right? Yeah, it's the same guy. Yeah. All right, my man, it's Bajamper, uh from the Parts Network. Here we go again. Uh, the question is: Is actual projection real, and can anyone do it? I love Ooh. this question. Have you guys done it? i i have not done it but i would oh really God. i really like the idea of being able to see that really depends on what one's version or idea of astral projection that would be um mm-hmm. you know there's certain people that would there's certain levels of ideas involving what it actually is and you can you know you can see say dreaming is a form of astral projection you could say moving your consciousness by by means of will um so that the locality of your consciousness isn't in your body or in your head to the point where maybe you're so good at visualization and relaxation that you can get to certain waves and within your mind and your body and and have it at a certain frequency to the point where you're able to relax yourself to move your consciousness effectively and for prolonged periods of time to other areas of the earth um, or in the space or using your imagination as a tool and your will as a mode of action to, to move your, your energy or your consciousness somewhere else. Um, and if you're actually traveling there, that's one aspect, that's one thing. Um, or, you know, if, if everything's mental to some degree, maybe you actually are traveling there on some strata, uh, of existence. And then there's other schools of thought, you know, or other forms where, um, literally without a doubt, you're. Um, completely leaving your body and, and it's obvious and you can see your body there and um you could travel around and as long as you don't think your body you won't snap back to it um and it i mean I, i'm a believer of all of them um but i've personally unfortunately have never gotten to the point where i willfully and obviously took my body i mean my my, my energy or my spirit or astral double out of my body um <laughs> but I definitely definitely a billion times have done the one in the middle i've never i've never
2: done it either but it's another one of those things where like in a romantic sense like i really like the concept of astral projection and the meditational uh opportunities that the that the concept offers and i'm nowhere near the level um of where i'd be able to do something like that but I, I really do like it.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, what, what, what do you think about this topic, Dave? Like, what, what's, what's your take on it? Have, have you ever uh, astral projected as well?
0: Um, when I was a kid, like when I was eight, I remember looking down on my body, um, sleeping on the bed. And it, it, I've mm-hmm. talked to other people who call this the big fuzzy or feeling. There's something that everybody, the, the people I've talked to have said, yeah, there's that weird kind of hollow, big fuzzy feeling. People are like, I know what you're talking about. And then you're looking at your body. I'm like, yeah. And it freaked me out. And I I was right back in it. And I think that's probably stayed with me. And I don't know that I would be the best astral projector. Um, (laughs) I I think that people who are doing it, I think you, you have to be careful because I know that the power of self suggestion can make you think that you're seeing something you're not seeing. I know that, like, when people are doing the, like, when the CIA did the whole remote viewing stuff they had really strict rules as to how it was done. And I've read um, stuff written by the people who have done it and there's a discipline to it. But, you know, to me, it's like when you start putting that kind of discipline to it, it it gets weird because it's like, you want there to be discipline, but then when there's too much discipline, then are you really losing a lot of other aspects that, you know, it's kind of like science, science is spellcasting, but, you know, under their own rules. So it's like, that's with astral projection. I don't, I think people do it, but how do you how do you validate it? And can you validate it? and it should it be validated?
1: yeah um I, th- I think you know in, in my studies there's been there's been study there's uh been writing written reports of people who have time traveled uh using astral projection i think you're we talking about the the government aspect the cia there was the gateway process um mm-hmm. they have they they've, they've, they've there's documents on the cia website anyone could check these out gateway process you can look up on youtube they go in detail in depth onto astral projection remote viewing things along those lines that people have done it i've read, i've read a lot of Uh, You know, throughout my esoteric books and things along those lines, um, you know, people have come came back from their astral projection and they have written down in a journal what they have seen, different signs, different the the types of clothing people are wearing, what was happening, and it actually occurred in the past, and there actually were signs there that say these things, um, things along those lines. Me personally, in terms of my experience. Um, I I think I might have astral projected by accident, like a lot of people have, you know, a few times in their life, but it's nothing that really stuck with me so prominently. Uh, I know during uh, like ritual work or any type of uh, certain type of uh, meditations, you get to, you know, the visualizations can become really intense and you don't really necessarily, you kind of lose focus of where you're physically at. Um, So that Mm -hmm. might be a form of astral projection using your mind, imagination, visualization, et cetera. Um, which is why it's so powerful for your subconscious mind in terms of change, um, but also uh, I was consciously trying to astral project using this certain method, maybe um, half a year or so ago. And my brother was actually trying as well because that's one aspect of this whole area he's actually interested uh, in. And um, it's 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 a it's a technique where you lay in your bed at night um, or just whenever, and um, it just you get like a relaxed state of mind, of course, and uh, you lay on your back. If I didn't say that already. And you, you just get comfortable, you know, relax, take some breaths, this and that. Of course, don't fall asleep. And you imagine in your head that you're essentially climbing up on a ladder or a rope um, in, in this uh, tunnel-like structure um, that you're just climbing this, I think it was like a rope. And you just imagine that your hands are grabbing this rope in this dark tunnel. And you're just, and, and, and you're, 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 you keep pulling yourself up out of this on this rope and you keep pulling and pulling and pulling yourself up and you just keep doing this as long as possible and then then supposedly once you get like good at it and you get used to this the sensation or this idea or you let go of the fear then it takes you out of your body I've gotten to a point and my brother's gotten to a point using this technique I think fear stopped us both times either that or lack of concentration or uh, the uncertainty aspect of it me and my brother have gotten to the point where you're supposed to get to before your soul leaves your body your spirit leaves your body, um, where your your head starts to shake and your body starts to shake, as if there's like a demagnetization between the, your your astral energy that's attached to your body, and it's slowly starting to become loosened, uh, to where you know it's, it's it's about to like hop out of the body a little bit and become detached. So that sensation and that feeling is definitely strange and one I've never felt before um, you know, consciously while actively trying to do it. So anyone who's interested in astral projecting, that's a technique I, su- I suggest to try out. Um, it's one that actually had tangible results. Um, within the first time I tried it, I think that was the first or second time I tried it. I had that experience. And, um, um yeah, another thing to be cautious of is, you know, I've heard a lot of stories that the, the from, from people I've known in person I know a couple of stories from people I heard in person and a lot of stories elsewhere that, you, you know, there's, there's a lot of dangers in astral projection. Um, you don't know what you're going to encounter. You don't know what energies are around. You don't know what type of vibration your, your energy might have, what it might attract. Um, and you don't know what might be lying outside your body. I also heard a certain story about, um, you know, if, if anyone touches your body uh, while you're astral projecting, Um, that it can cause death because it shocks your system and you don't have the energy current within you to sustain it. Um, and then you just detach and that your body essentially dies because it's supposed to be connected by the silver type cord, kind of like an umbilical cord that you have when you're born into this world, like your astral body is supposed to be connected to your body once disconnected by this, like astral silvery cord. Um, so yeah it's that's kind of another as above so below you know analogy you know if that's that's a thing and um so i know there's a lot of things to consider i wouldn't necessarily think it's the safest thing in the world to do but if you're interested in doing it um yeah like i said um that's definitely one that i had real tangible results with real fast but um i don't know i think i think i don't know fear might be i guess a problem with that one
2: i guess the answer really david's question is like how do you validate that it's their only way to validate that is through personal validation. Yeah,
1: well, that's why, that's why I brought Fair. up the whole thing where I read that these people mm-hmm. have came back with these writings where it did align yeah. exactly with things that have happened, or either the gateway process. But, but I mean, like,
2: if these people that come back with these writings, like, you can logically justify that, where maybe they've seen it in a book, or maybe they've been there or at some point in their life and it was buried in their subconscious and then trying to do this, like induce this like trance state that dug their subconscious up and they thought they saw it. Like you can, you can, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Legitimize or no, uh, ra- ra- rationalize. rationalize, rationalize. There we go. <laughs> you, you can rationalize that sort of thing. Yeah, where for, sure, for sure. A personal experience. We're not going to be able to rationalize that you're, it's going to be, wow, this really worked or wow, it really doesn't. And I'm super disappointed right now. So <laughs> I really think that's like the only way to do it. Like in, in, especially in the case of the the whole idea of the consciousness or the soul leaving the body, um, it, there's no way to validate that officially. You, you would have to do it yourself to really obtain validation.
1: And this is something that, you know, I feel takes a lot of time and work and, uh, you know effort to actually get really good at it um i'm a huge believer in it from from all i've been through um and i also i also have a book at home which i never fully delved into but it was one of the best that i've came across um so far and it's i forget the author's name um it's called astral projection and the nature of reality by um i think it's like john magnus but i will get back to you when i do know the actual author for anyone interested and it's like it's like a 200 a 300 page book that goes through exercises practices um etc um and, and journaling and aspects that like really if you're really interested in it the, and solely interested in astral projection have a lot of time and that's like a path you want to take um that's a book i would suggest it's called ash once more it's called astral projection and the nature of reality, and I know the last name of the author on the book is Magnus, M-A-G-N-U-S, I believe. I think it's John, but I could be wrong, but yeah, just for anyone interested. But yeah, I don't know. It's a it's, anybody got very anything, fascinating topic. Anything else, David? You got anything else to put on that? No, it's. I'm not very familiar with
0: it, and I just. I, I guess I've never really been comfortable enough to want to delve into it. Um, mm-hmm. I, I'm kind of a terra firma guy. <laughs> I like knowing where my feet are. I mean, in my yeah. when I go to sleep, I'm such a wild dreamer. I'm all over the place. And when I come back, I'm like, let me just get firm ground, please. Because <laughs> the dreams <laughs> are too, too all over the place.
2: Yeah. Would, oh, you know what? I, real, just, just an idea here, uh, because he brought up the concept of the dream. But the Would you consider like the lucid dream a form of astral projection, possibly? Oh, hmm. Cool. You
1: know, I, I, me personally, like I would assume so because um, if you're so lucid and you're, you're in some type of body and you, you, know, you know you're in this body and you could touch your environment and it's so obvious and you can manipulate everything, um, I would assume so. And, and, and you're using dimethyl, dimethyltryptamine, you know, DMT, what creates your dreams, mm-hmm. which is the same substance that people use in ayahuasca. You know, there's DMT in ayahuasca. It's, it's you know, there's 5-MeO-DMT. Um, and it's it, you can release it during meditation as well, and and this 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 uh this um you know chemical is is what people experience you know other you know the uh, you know angels uh, forces intelligences uh, things that communicate with them on geometric scales and, and that um, so many people experience on ayahuasca. So I mean, if if that's not real, if if this collective thing that keeps happening using this chemical. Um, isn't real like i don't know what it is to some degree it's uh it's uh it sounds very real and it sounds like you are being trans your consciousness is being transported elsewhere and being interacted with 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 beings or at least a certain different environment so i would assume that that is definitely a form of astral projection you know just just like dreams in general i guess um or some form of like astral experience i would assume
0: what about you do what do you think I think that um, the dream realm itself is such an interesting place an interesting. Well, I do know place is not the best word for it. I think there's something yeah. to be said for the ability. I think that you have to be able to shift from this constant, you know, creating things with your psyche and, you know, manipulating. Because uh, I think in the dream realm, you're you have just a lot more godlike powers in a weird way where you can use yeah. your symbolism to kind of where you can work the symbolism more freely. You ha- it's like working with clay instead of stone. And I think it, it once, if you were to be able to astra- use lucid dreaming to astral project, you'd have to kind of shift yourself out of the dream state of creating what it is and be able to kind of figure out how to get more into the objective reality as you know it when you're in the waking state and be able to, I think that's the only way you'd be able to astral project that way. If you can figure out how to shift from one to the other, that would be the trick. But to me, it seems like a good stepping stone. I think there may be I think there's something to that though
2: but the, the, the real reason that I've asked that is because I've, I've experienced lucid dreams on a number of occasions, and within my lucid dreams, I'm knowing, I know that I'm dreaming, and I can do all this I can fly if I want to, and like I can materialize objects and, mm-hmm. and do what I want but I have zero control of the environment. Mm, So I've been able to go various places and been like, I'm going to imagine this place and I'll be there. But once I'm there, I have no control of what's going on there. And uh, within one of my lucid dreams, um, I was in this world that it was a zombie apocalypse,
0: which is, it sounds (laughs)
1: ridiculous. It's
2: a
0: terrible lucid dream, Oh man. (laughs) It was, it was only scary. Say it again. I, I missed
2: it there. I was in a zombie apocalypse in this lucid dream.
1: <laughs> it sounds. Um, scary. It sounds scary.
2: And I was running through my old high school, and I got into the gymnasium, and I realized this is a dream. I'm dreaming this right now, and boom! And like that, I had boards on the windows, and the doors were slammed shut, and they were like welded <sighs> shut. And I could hear, but I could hear the zombies pounding. They were trying to get in. I know I couldn't get rid of them mentally. I could not get rid of them, so I had no control over the external environment. I just had control over what I would have considered material. The one thing I could not do is materialize a Snickers bar. (laughs) Dude, I was so mad.
1: Yeah, you you definitely needed one of those in that moment. (laughs) I was
2: so mad. There's nothing more I enjoy on this planet than a Snickers bar, and (laughs) I I was like, you know, I'm in a dream. I'm eating a Snickers. Yeah. Like and it, I couldn't do it, but like that's why I'm thinking like uh, the the whole concept of the astral projection in, in, in that sense is like because you're in this environment. I know I'm dreaming. I have these abilities. I can do these things that I want to do, and I have like these supernatural. Uh, I can make things happen, but like when it comes to the overall external environment, zero control,
0: no say mm. so on what's going on. So yeah, that's, that's what, what you have here. to be able to to overcome is getting out of the uncontrolled external environment to the actual concrete external environment how do you how do you make that jump that's that's the key right there
1: yeah 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 really well hopefully hopefully i hopefully we find out in the future personally We're, we're (laughs) (laughs) We're we're all gonna come out of this episode
2: sitting on our couches later eating popcorn like (laughs)
1: <laughs> what we talk about yeah, like real deep in the hole <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's where i live anyway so <laughs>
2: um, hey, uh, we have we have one final question one that's left more. um geez this is from gaston from six drinks in podcast and he said what is the
1: soul oh man oh. dude just when i thought my brain's tired like yeah wow. like it kind of uh, uh it kind of ties uh, in with that it that does it previous does.
2: question and i you know what uh let, let's get, let's let David talk first on the, on the, on the last
0: For one sure. Here. For sure. Wow. What is the soul? What is the soul?
1: Spotlight's on you, man. <laughs> oh,
0: geez louise. Boy, you talk about bringing out the biggest matzo ball. It's there, right? That's all <laughs> this, this, this is the send-off question. Oh, man. You know, I think I'm going to, I'm going to do a callback here. And I think there, the soul is, the soul is the, well, no, I'm, okay whatever is okay we have this whole thing about the universe is just all that is it's just the state of isness and i think the soul is that aspect of the state of isness that's reflected on ourselves but it's the spark it's like the you know it's like before you have a fire you kind of have to hit that spark to create the fire yeah I think yep. the soul is that spark behind the fire that is our when we talked about consciousness And I'm just Mm -hmm. spitballing. This is coming into my head here. Um, No, this is good. This is good. When you, with consciousness, it's that thing that ignites the consciousness. It's that starter piece to get to consciousness. I, I, I don't think the soul, I mean, I don't think the soul really, you can't, with the consciousness, you can kind of, Give it a shape or an identity. You can kind of talk about it and describe it. You know, I'm conscious of this, or I have an awareness of that, or this is my sense of being that I can really point to da-da-da. I don't think you can do that with the soul. I think the soul is kind of a raw material, it's a pre-state. It's I think the soul exists in that that empty space, that nothing space. You know how when you know you have the and you guys have talked about this too. You know the empty space, the zero, the the potential. Everything resi- exists in raw potential, but it doesn't quite exist. It's almost everything on the and verge of
1: everything. The grand and paradox. Yeah, God. Yes,
0: the grand paradox. The um, like in the Kybalion, yeah. all is the, the 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 law of mentality. Is that what it is? The mental. Yeah, what is that? Well, yeah,
1: law of, uh, law of mentalism. I think it's yeah, the principle.
2: of – Principle of mentalism. That's a, is that the one that as
1: within, so without?
2: Is that all is mind? All is, mind? all is mind. Universe is yeah. mental.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And I think it's, bef- but to me, all his mind is almost a little too far ahead of it. I think it's before it becomes mind. It's that. It's if you take that kind of potentiality and you break it into the let's in quotes individual level. I think that's what the soul is. The soul is that that space of becoming before it actually becomes that's that's the best way i can put it if that makes any sense at all
1: no 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 for sure um i'm not sure we have anything to add to that before i branch off on it no Um, no go for it okay yeah no what you're saying is something very similar to what i had the ideology that i've uh you know have of this um concept you know a lot of cultures there's like there's the soul. There's the spirit. There's the body. You know, and some some call there's. I mean, some some traditions like there's just the soul. There's the spirit. I mean, there's just the soul. There's the body. Then they have like this other call other um, um, other traditions like even I think Egypt believe in the, uh, they believe in like the coup and three other parts of of the of the being. Um, other traditions they see the soul and the spirit as different. I see the spirit and the soul as different as well. Um, like you're saying, I, I kind of see the soul as just. Um, well my my version would be something similar to like all exists within the mind of god um the the grand paradox of everything and nothing um so um so that 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 mind that is and isn't that that which that which um, forms all and, and doesn't form all um, that which is and isn't etc. You know the paradox of all paradox. Um, the, the soul to me would be that aspect of God, like you said, like the spark that that ignites the the flame. Say um so the so the soul is just kind of um the soul would be equivalent to the all within all, uh, which would be God within us. Mm-hmm. Um, then we have um, the spirit. To me would be the flame that stems from that spark and the flame would be our astral double. And that's, that, that, it's the spirit still has a certain type of, of personality. It's kind of like, uh, between the soul and the material vessel. Um, mm. but it's, it's still individualized as a persona, um, uh, based off of our own as based off our part in the story. Um, but we're still, but we still have the all within all we still have the all within us, which is the soul. So we have the spark, which would be the all we have, uh, we have the spirit, which would be our astral double, which would be the flame that comes from that spark. And then we have the wood that the flame is burning upon, and that will be our human vessel. And that's what it's attached to, kind of like a flame's attached to a candle. Um, so, and, and they both need each other to some degree. And then we have the hearth. We have uh, that which contains um, the, the wood, the flame, the spark, uh, all all that we have, we have, you know, the heart, you know, what what surrounds that. And that would be the universe or the earth. Um, Hmm. so the soul would just be, um, essentially just, it's not as personal as the spirit. Um, it's just, it, it is everything and nothing. And it's, it's, um, it's that which, Um, it's that which belongs to the all. I said it multiple Mm. times at this point, um, Mm -hmm. but it's, it's just, it's, it's, um, I guess to summarize it, it's, it's, um, it's impersonal. It's that which generates all it's part, it's, it's the all, um, and, um, it's pretty much the most abstract form of what we actually are. Um, and that's my ideology as to what the soul quote unquote is. And I think a lot of people get caught up in these labels, um, as if like they're separate, but I think they're all part of the spectrum, um, mm-hmm. of that, which isn't, isn't, um, they're all part of the spectrum of energy, uh, all different layers that intercorrelate and, and, and interact in a certain way. Um, and, and I, I think when we start to conceptualize or start to really break down these things and kind of make it something that's intelligible, um, something that's, um, when, when you start to make something so abstract, something that you try to make it concrete. I think you start to move away from what it actually is. So I think it's always important to keep in mind the abstraction um, and, and the metaphysical aspects of these things when speaking about them. So you don't get, you know, people don't get hung up so much on the separation of all of it. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, that's my input on it. So there's like uh, this concept throughout, you know, various
2: books, writings, movies, even religion to a point that gives the soul this, sort of physical label like a physical presence within a label even though it exists on what would be like what the what's the fifth plane the ethereal plane is the fifth one or is it the fourth no
1: that yeah it depends on tradition right yeah
2: you have this ethereal plane existence so if we're going to consider you know this really widespread idea that this this soul has like a, a sort of physical manifestation in a way um, I'm kind of thinking along the lines of, have you guys ever seen those, those dolls, those Russian dolls where like you pop one out and there's a little one inside, you pop the top yeah. of a Trishka Yeah. Is yes. that what they're called? Yes. Yeah. Okay. Those Great. are
1: Those are interesting. Okay. So yeah.
2: you have these dolls. So um, just kind of playing off what you guys said, like that. Yeah. where the spirit is separate from the soul. And I kind of want to like, I kind of want to lump the spirit and the consciousness into the same group for this. Uh, in a way where that it's separate from the soul and the soul is separate from the physical being, but what if the soul is the, the catalyst, like the container? So like our consciousness is this, this energy and it vibrates at such a high level, you know, and uh, the human form, like the human body, if you vibrate that too hard, it would disintegrate. It would turn into a puddle, mm-hmm. you know? Um, we we've seen that organic material spun at extremely high G forces turns into liquid very easily at that state. so um, what if, you know, this high vibrational consciousness or your spirit requires, you know, that second babushka doll, which would be your soul. Mm. And it and it kind of contains that vibration and and on an external level brings that down, which allows us to adhere to the physical form or human body.
1: Yeah, Almost I like, like a like, blueprint
2: in a way. Yeah, in a way. Like just like a series of building blocks, like you have like the core, and like the core is your soul or your consciousness. Mm-hmm. And then you have like your support, the thing that okay. holds the structure together. And then that would be the soul. And that mm. that makes sure that you know the core doesn't overpower the external structure, which would be your physical being. Because if we would vibrate too fast, we would turn into a puddle.
1: Like, yeah. Vibrate. Yeah. It's kind of similar to an idea of like um kind of see like the soul as like maybe like the, the yolk of an egg that like, or like the, the you know, the heating, like equivalent to a uh, celestial heat or like a metaphysical heat. Cause you know, you need heat for all life. Um, and, um, that would be like the set, like maybe even the center of the earth, um, will be the soul of the earth and, uh, metaphysically. And so the yolk might be the soul, uh, the center of the essence. And then you have like the, uh, the egg whites or the albumen And that would be, um, you know, kind of like the the spirit, um, the astral double. Then you have the shell, which will be the material vessel, mm-hmm. and uh, the consciousness is kind of formed. The, the personal quote unquote ego or I consciousness uh, develops when the soul, the highest abstract, uh, the highest form of abstraction, um, interacts with the material vessel um, with a, with a localized, uh, limited uh, perception of what is, and um, that would create an individual. Uh, localized consciousness that appears separate from everything else. Um, so, um, so yeah, that's that's kind of, I guess, another uh, another version of how a kind of branch of CJ's um, mm-hmm. another interesting way to look at it as well. So, um, taking
0: what you guys described, what what we all described with uh, pertaining to what the soul is or may be, mm-hmm. how would you? You know, how there's some cultures, especially some indigenous or. Um, or aboriginal cultures that had that idea that if you take a picture of somebody that you are stealing a part of their soul is it, am i do i have that right
1: I, i've actually never heard that but it's, it's yeah. interesting yeah there's a that was there was
2: a, a large play off of that system of belief in the late 90s and early 2000s in 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 popular media, um, especially when you came across uh, cartoons like Ed, Ed and Eddie, there's a character in there named Rolf. And if you take a picture of Rolf, he loses his mind. Oh, you've taken a picture of the son of a shepherd, and like mm. he attacks you over it because he genuinely believes you're snatching his soul. Wow! When, mm. when you take a picture, it was it was a really popularized thing. I've never really yeah, or 2000s. That's fascinating. Yeah, but like on the on the, on the, the whole introspective wise, uh, I don't. I I don't know if I I would really buy into that. You like photocopying super superpositioned photons to a, a piece of paper could really snatch a piece of like your essence, your consciousness. I don't think I don't think you could do that. Neither
1: right. do I. Neither do I, especially if you have an idea um this is kind of that 's like a materialistic version of the akashic records i mean like uh mm-hmm. it, you know uh we you know at that point everyone's soul will be stolen. there's video cameras, cameras everywhere being monitored twenty four seven um it, I think it might might affect your mind uh it might affect one's mind or consciousness if they let it if they if they know about it and they're not aware or they become paranoid and they get fearful and it lowers their vibration, it might hinder the evolution of the soul on some degree. Um, but in terms of if one believes in some type of Akasha records or Akashic records, which, you know, for those who don't know, it's uh, pretty much like the memory, the memory of the universe that stores everything that's ever happened, will happen or has happened. Um, if there's like a storage point for all this stuff, kind of like one massive computer in a sense, one massive metaphysical computer inside the mind of God, um, then, you know, our souls have already been stolen. Like uh, at the same time, we're, we're just, we're just part of the all. So we, we, in, in terms of a physical picture, like a physical akashic records, um, something that's held on a, a materialistic uh piece of technology, Um I, I, I don't, I don't personally see how that could ever steal one's steal one soul. Yeah, uh, we're, we're, it, we're, we're it, I wonder needed. why
0: they even came out. I wonder how they even got that idea in the first place. These, I don't know if it's just something unknown or the idea that you've tried to kind of pin an aspect of themselves into two-dimensional. Uh, reference point or something like that. But I, I would agree with you guys that I don't think that a piece of the soul is being stolen. I've always kind of puzzled over why their culture seemed to think that was the case. And I don't know, if, you know, I I don't know. think it was if it was a shaman that came up with that or if it was just a chieftain that didn't like the colonialists and just wanted a reason <laughs> to just get them out of there. I don't know. So it just Do I've you, always kind of wondered about that.
2: There's that, there's that belief out there where you can take a physical object and bind pieces of your essence to it uh, so that there's always something of you on, on, in, in this, you know, third dimension here. Mm -hmm. Um, And that's how we get like these people, they call them, uh, they're popularized in media is like a haunted portraits where the eyes will follow you or like, like the, it'll be in a different position the next time you see it and dolls that can move Mm -hmm. and things like that. So you know, I mean, uh, even in uh, things like um, uh, the Harry Potter series, their their lead antagonist, Voldemort, binds essence pieces of his own essence to things called horcruxes. And that binds him to the third dimension. And when he's destroyed, he can use those items to come back. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, you know, that that stems off. That's so, like maybe maybe there was this instance where somebody did this like they 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 attempted to bind themselves to an object and maybe they did it to a picture or portrait or a, a primitive photograph or you know wh- whatever they did and um you know obviously that, that thing would then have uh for lack of a better term a, a supernatural presence where you would see these things going on like the eyes would move or maybe the mouth would adjust or it would be open one time closed another looking one direction or another and i mean understandably that would scare the crap out of anybody, especially mm. if it was brand new technology. So mm-hmm. maybe that's uh, how like a belief for that came. Like somebody did something intentionally. Yeah, someone didn't understand it. It frightened mm-hmm. them, and they were like, "I'm not messing with that. I don't understand it."
1: Yeah. yeah. I- 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 so that was another point I was going to say is maybe it would stem out of ignorance and like this newfound thing that's going on. And like they kind of put fear based off the unknown and uncertainty mixed with the actual thing and um, created that ideology. At the same time, I definitely can see how one could take a picture and harm somebody with that image. Um, and a lot of practices or magical practices or baneful magic, things along those lines, it's important to have either. a. And, you know, I'm not going to go into the details of how to do a lot of these things because I don't I don't like to promote it. Um, mm-hmm. but it, it, it's just having an image of somebody and well, what's knowing, better
2: for visualization than a picture exactly yeah, yeah. And,
1: and if you're using certain uh you know i'm not gonna go like I said, i'm not gonna go into details of the whole like step by step but like if you have an image of somebody right in front of you and you can really really imprint that on your subconscious and do what you have to do if you're really like trying to hurt somebody um i, I can see how you can hurt somebody with with a picture um based off mm-hmm. of an action but uh was you, I'm, gonna, that, I'm gonna change soul, my i'm gonna know. change
2: my answer 50 50 if if the the person behind the photograph, the taker of the photograph, imbued that with an intention, and maybe they had something going, like they were doing like some sort of spell work, maybe they could snatch a piece of you with it. Mm. But that would have to be like a a, a, a conscious manipulation of will and 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 yeah,
1: know. extreme. Too. But like in, yeah. in in the
2: generic sense, benign. Hey, take a selfie with me. No, it's not snatching anything from it, right. Yeah, uh, I, I would I, say I would, that I would the. Agree.
0: The indigenous people, I guess, here's my thought on it is, is that maybe when the picture was taken and they were showing a a photograph later on, they felt like, well, how did that moment in time get projected onto this? You know, there's maybe they thought that because you froze that moment in time, that that their state of being that was at that moment was was captured in this little Mm -hmm. frame here. Um, And they just didn't understand the connection to that. You know. now, of course, we take it all for granted because we're projecting aspects of ourselves like the conversation we're having. You guys are on one side of the yeah. country, and I'm on the other and magically, here we are in the same space, having a conversation yeah. so the mind. <laughs> right yeah, I think it's technology has really kind of helped stretch the aspects of uh redefine what. Where our limits are, you know, where we end and how far out we can project ourselves to be where, you know, projecting yourself in the primitive culture maybe is done in a in a mind altering way, you know, um, through ritual or dance or drumming or ayahuasca or whatever. But they didn't have anything technological like that and seemed nefarious in a way.
1: Yeah. And at the same time, like, you know, the technology we have today, today and knowing where it's going, it's, it's, it's always going to be scary because it's unknown, it's uncertain, and it's so powerful. And it's it's like doubling every couple of years. And, uh, and uh, you know, just the fears we have today with like transhumanism or where we're going to be going or uh, what, what these things can do or what people are going to do with their photo. Like, there's always an f- element of fear or uncertainty uh, involved with technology or just everything in general, um, if you're willing to look at the outcomes or trends of what's happening. So maybe at the time, you know, the, the photographs, um. That that was a that was a potential fear of you know based off maybe they were more spiritual minded or more superstitious minded back then compared to how we are today, at least in the West. You know, like they, they they like to push a lot of left brain logic instead of creativity. Mm-hmm. Um, so maybe that's not such a prominent thing, you know, in our culture. But um, I definitely can see how if it's a new thing or you know it, if there's a lot of fears or uncertainty around it. Um, how, you know, they, you can definitely think there'd be some type of, at least at the very least, some type of harm that might come from it. Cause, uh, you know, as Dave, as David said, um, you're, you're framing the essence of someone's emotions, actions, thoughts, and, and being at one point in time in, in a, in a square or, and, and um, and you can, you can see it and you can almost like feel it. So, um. So yeah, I, I can see there being some of the weird feeling with it, at least at the time, and even now. I mean, who knows? Maybe you are stealing someone's soul. Maybe, maybe uh, all the pictures we're taking, even of ourselves and other people, we're just locking ourselves here in the 3D to, uh, dimension, and that's why there's reincarnation, and we keep coming back to Earth, and the Earth's so overpopulated now, or you know, who, who know? I mean, who knows? I, I do you know, think, I think there's think, some bleed so, off, but. though.
0: <laughs> there's um like um like when when CJ you were talking about the core crux and things like that. I mean, my, my wife has this uncanny ability for uh, psychometry and she didn't develop it. She just, she just has it innately. We'll be walking through secondhand stores and she'll pick up an item and she'll just kind of get lost there. And I'm like, what happened? She says, well, this, the person who wore this hat, I just had this picture of them at this ball and they were meeting such and such, and they were a little nervous about it, but they were, and I'm like, what? So she, certain (laughs) items will... And, and from my understanding of psychometry, especially personal items like jewelry and things like that—that have a lot of them that a person wore a long time and have a lot of emotions that kind of bled into that. Those objects can kind of hold on to that and capture mm-hmm. little s- snapshots of that. And I don't know if that's soul or if that's fragments of soul or if that's just imprinting, like you just said, Mike. Uh, imprinting yeah. your consciousness out into. But it's just so interesting how it's, it it's so trippy to me. How I think our it is. We, it's so hard to say the soul and the consciousness is something so, um, so locked in. I think it's just there's too many, I just think there it's boundless. And I just don't because we're so ego focused, I just don't see mm-hmm. it, we just feel so bound. And I don't know that we can we'll ever really can accept how boundless we are as a consciousness
1: yeah i think the only way to fully understand something so ultimately higher in truth is to get the mind so tuned up and so balanced between the left brain and right brain which you know which is important in balancing the elements in the psychology and the psyche uh and, and alchemy and all those things the elements within you know forming both parts of the mind uh so that you can use your, your prefrontal cortex um a lot more efficiently and balanced um and then and once you have the logic and creativity and the ability to think abstractly, you know less 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 conceptual, less um less materialistic. Um, then I think that you have to ascend your mind to the highest heights of abstraction, but while still maintaining some type of logic. Which is why, I like the as above, so below, or analogy, or anything like that. Um, mm-hmm. you know, the fractal universe, like the Mandelbrot set. You know, just um just a lot of you know just like using fractals and logic, but yet using the most abstract co- uh, feelings and. And I think the highest form of truth and understanding is ultimately a feeling uh, within. Mm-hmm. And, um, and the only way to attempt to make it concrete or conceptualize it is to take that feeling and just limit it one little step further and, and conceptualize it in the most abstract form possible. And that's the closest that we'll ever have as a human form to ultimate quote unquote truth um and, but I, just not a lot of people can really get to that point or allow themselves to get to that point especially with the fear of psychosis and all these schizophrenic you know all this mental disorder stuff that people are pushing on people in society i think there's a lot of barriers and blocks and dams and i think there's a lot of a uh, a lot of agendas behind why people aren't reaching these points um but i think that like i said one more like i said the, the final statement is like the, i i think in order to transcend the limitations of the uh, of of the inherent human mind and this this reality and and these dimensions and these limitations it's uh balancing the mind and really getting in tune with the feelings and the universe and your own intuition and your knowledge of yourself and um scaling the heights to the highest abstraction taking it one step less and um that's you that's your closest way you can ever attempt to transmit um subjective or ultimate truth because that's that's a whole other spectrum of the game <laughs> so <No. laughs> but yeah it's a very tricky path you know and uh it's why I, I think it's very important not to get too hung up on belief um like mm-hmm. I, I always say on here like i think beliefs are dams in consciousness uh i i i have such a personal opinion i, I like to lean towards ideas but when something be- when someone truly believes something then that you know the door is closed to alternate ideas and that might close themselves off to higher learning and understanding so um, yeah, just uh, trying trying to keep the slate clean while still understanding what the slate is. Um, <laughs> but uh, so it's it's a it's it's a, it's a tight rope that everyone has to walk with an endless depth. Um, yeah. So so yeah, that's a, that's my final statements on that.
2: Yeah, I got I got nothing. To add like, <laughs> this has been <laughs> a great nice. conversation. It's a yeah. great conversation. This has probably been the most intense conversation I've uh, taken part in since we talked about what is happiness with, uh, Isaiah Fitzgerald of, uh,
0: <laughs> yeah,
1: <laughs> that was a good one too. Oh man. <laughs> he's, he's awesome. He's great. He's a great energy. But yeah, you know, mm-hmm. this is, this was an awesome, awesome, awesome conversation. These are the, like, yeah. these are the conversations I love to have, but are extremely hard to find, especially hard to have, especially, you know, granted that the, just how rare it is to have individuals who can think in this manner, not, not even a condescending way and not even saying it's the right way. It's just, um, went when it's it's hard to find you know people who have elevated their mind to a point in a certain direction of creativity where they can elaborate on these highly abstract t- topics in an intellectual way so um yeah i really appreciate you coming on today man i knew it was gonna be fun I, i've always i've always wanted to talk to you ever since i heard you and um it definitely put up real well and um, i'm glad to have you here today it was really fun
0: so thank i you. really appreciate you guys having me on this has been a a blast i just don't get to have conversations like this very often and it's just so meat and bread and butter to me and i just i mean i've lived and breathed it for so long that it's just it's mm-hmm. it's refreshing and it's opening and I, I i can't thank you guys enough this
1: has been an absolute treat No, it's we're, we're gonna have you, to bring
2: man. you on uh bring you back for like a philosopher talk
1: yeah or maybe Maybe if we're interested, we could do another mashup. You know, I mean, put some different <laughs> topics in the bag and start spewing stuff. That'd be awesome. Hey, yeah, I'm, I'm game. I, I, Maybe, yeah, you guys video, but... just hit me up and and I'm here. Awesome, um, man. Sounds
0: um,
2: great. Well, speaking of hitting you up, why don't you uh, tell our listeners where they can where can they find you and Ninth uh, World
0: Journal? Okay. Yeah, I'm. You can find me at. Um, and for the stuff that I've narrated, audiobooks and stuff like that, you can just find me at David S. Deere, That's like writing a letter, Dear John, dot uh, com. You can find Ninth World Journal at Ninth World, uh, spelled out N-I-N-T-H, worldjournal.com. Uh, I'll plug one other little piece. I, I'm not, my voice isn't in it, but I co-write with Shannon Perry of Oz9. Uh, we co-write a, a comedic show. It's a little meta called Deconstructive Criticism. It's a comedy. About a couple that's doing a podcast and their their teenage kid is trying to, you know, um, fix their dysfunctions by having them air all their dirty laundry on this podcast. And it's pretty funny. <laughs> that's awesome. That's <laughs> so those, awesome, three, those two projects, you can find at those. You can find Deconstructive Criticism at DecritPodcast.com. And those are all my pieces. And you can find me on all three of those you can find on Twitter as well.
1: Awesome. Awesome, man. Yeah, definitely go check that stuff out. You, you, as you guys can see, definitely a high quality mind. So, um, so yeah, thank you. Um, yeah. More thank you. And, and anyone who is looking to communicate with us, um, as we always say, uh, you can contact us on Instagram at mystery.stone.podcast. Uh, any questions, any concerns, any anything, you know, the, the whole usual thing we say, um, you know, messages uh, there. If you have any questions for me personally, my personal Instagram is the.omniscient.void um and yeah Yeah, i'm on
2: twitter uh twitter as a baron land stew i'm also on instagram myself i haven't plugged my personal one yet but you can find me there chris aka elf um i don't do anything interesting there so it's probably not worth following me but uh, (laughs) uh and then uh you can literally find all three of us at the cast junkie discord server uh, we're, we're in there quite a bit and uh, feel free to pop in. And uh, if you want to have this conversation with us, we are about that life, but take it to the religion spirituality chat because people get crazy. So,
1: <laughs>
2: <laughs> but you uh, will be more than happy to chat with you guys about that. And uh, you know uh, there's tons of other just amazing shows in there um, uh, that are out there for you to enjoy. So if you're listening to our podcast, we assume that you enjoy podcasts and that this is uh, something that might interest you. Uh, And then, yeah, you know, once again, David, thank you so much for coming out today.
1: Yeah, thank you, man. Really appreciate Um, it. Thank you.
2: Yeah. And uh, I guess uh, that's what we'll sign off for the day. All right. That's it, guys, right? Blessed be. Take care, guys.